The following is a Raygun armed, faster than light presentation of GalacticNetcasts.com. The Hey everybody, welcome to episode 22 of the Time Traveling Robots in Space. For Wednesday, February 15th, 2012, this is the show where we do talk about time travel, robots, and space, and science fiction, and science fact. From Wausau, Wisconsin, I am Dave Nelson. And from Glendale, California, we can't see him if you are watching us on Spreecast, but if you're just the audio listener, then everything is just fine. Uh, Co-host of an Hour of Sleep podcast, it is Mr. Paul Swickard. How are you, Paul? I am just peachy keen. All right, for uh, our Spreecast.com viewers, feel free to ask questions throughout the show. Either type them into the chat room or submit them at the bottom right-hand corner where it says comment or question, and we'll include them in the uh, lower third of the show, of the video there. And if you only listen to us and want to see us do this live, we record it every Wednesday night as close to uh, 7... Uh, let me. I'm going to do it in reverse this time. 7 Pacific Time, 9 o'clock Central Time at Spreecast.com. How's that, Paul? You put me first. I'm, I'm thrilled about that. Yeah. That's awesome. You deserve to be first. You deserve the best, my friend. <laughs> if you're new to the time-traveling robots in space, what we do is uh, run down a couple of news stories for each topic, and then we do our recommendations and ask a question at the very end of the show. So let's get this uh, thing going here. All right, from Blaster.com, thanks to a suggestion from series star Jason O'Mara via his Twitter, fans of Terra Nova have started a campaign to send plastic dinosaurs to the Fox office in support of the show and maybe help it uh, get it renewed for uh, a second season. So the tactic follows what fans of other shows have done for years. What they're doing is they're, they're, they're sending in plastic dinosaurs to uh, the president of Fox, the time travel series debuted to solid ratings this past year, but started to slip as the season wore on. With rumors that the show is fairly expensive to produce, the network has remained silent on whether it would be back this coming fall. It's likely Fox is waiting around to see how Touch and Alcatraz perform before making a final decision on Terra Nova. Fans have also founded a Save Terra Nova Facebook page and Omara is using his personal Twitter account as a staging area for the effort. Yeah, I've I follow Jason Omara, and he's been tweeting a lot of stuff out about uh, bombarding the president of Fox with these plastic dinosaurs. It's it's kind of humorous to follow, actually. Well, I, I guess well, I guess we'll see. Well, here's just who's to say that plastic dinosaurs never did anybody any good. I would like to inform you about five things that you need to know about drive travel. Okay. This is an article that I found that's actually pretty cool. Uh, essentially, it's relating a lot of the time-traveling movies that we see. It's J. Richard Gott and the Time Travel in Einstein Universe book. This was published back in, I think it was 2001? But in any case, yeah, so it, it goes through five different areas, some of which we've talked about before. Like, for example, the first one is the Back to the Future uh, and the whole uh, idea of a paradox. So you basically you can wipe yourself off of existence, have decide to do certain things in order to make yourself not exist. Basically, is the idea. But some of the other stuff, like it's kind of random, and I thought kind of fun. For example, the 1989 movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Have you seen it, sir? I hope so. It's if been not. A- I need to like get on you for that. No, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I have seen it. So go ahead. Okay. Okay. But yeah, he called basically it's called this whole principle uh, that they used in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is it, it well. First of all, the idea is is that you can't change what's already happened because it's already happened. So even if you were to go back in time, the you went back in time doesn't change the outcome because the outcome has already occurred. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the physicists call this the principle of self consistency, and that was a first proposed by a Caltech physicist named Kip Thorne and Igor Novikov of the University of Copenhagen. 
So I thought that was kind of cool. All right. And yeah, you, there's a few. There's a few more of these. The number three is wormholes. You you're familiar with this concept, basically that you can. It, it basically like I don't know how to describe it other than different points in space that people can jump and therefore change like both time and space. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. We have the Carl Sagan book and you know, all that kind of stuff. We've, we've discussed this quite a bit. Yep. But yeah, in, uh, but one of my favorites is the whole groundhog day thing. Are you familiar with that movie? Yes. I've, I've seen it over and over again. (laughs) For those of you who don't haven't seen it, you should see it. And uh, the idea is is that one man repeats the same day over and over and over again, and nothing that he can like he is, there's no escape from it. He could die, and he's going to wake up right back where he was every single day for all of eternity, basically. And I didn't realize that there's actually some physicists. I like this is there is some like scientific backing for this kind of uh, this kind of thing. And I had no idea, but at least according to uh, Gott, which is the, uh, the 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 Princeton physicist that we talked about earlier, okay. he he postulated that this is actually real. Like this could, it's scientifically or mathematically possible. And he, he, how he put it was, if we envision the universe like a loaf of bread standing on end, which we can be which can be sliced a number of ways, including horizontally. So. If if that all makes sense, you can go. It time is not linear as we view it. It can be viewed as any number of ways, and it is possible to keep repeating itself if you if the right set of circumstances were to occur. Interesting. Yeah, it was it was really fun. I like I I uh, this article was kind of amusing, but yeah. It, Dave likes always to, likes to always talk about the entertainment based stuff, and I guess I have to loop it back into hey, this is what actually could be happening. <laughs> so, the entertainment kind of stuff is based on fact more than we think, is what you're saying. A lot, the things that we thought were pure fantasy are actually grounded in some kind of scientific reasoning, right? That that is true. However, you have to think. Which is influencing which, you know, like, okay, we think about these things in just in a pure, when you're talking about just entertainment, we can make up any kind of crap we want, right? Like we can just do whatever. And then scientists, it it could just as very well be that the people who think of this as an entertainment base and the physicist or whoever see this and go like, huh, I had not considered that before and try to find out logic or reasons as to why that might be. So it kind of goes both ways. They both are influential of themselves. Very interesting. Yeah. I guess yeah. we do all influence each other. So even without, maybe not purpose, pur- purposefully <laughs> influencing, you know, <laughs> maybe just through pure osmosis, maybe uh, some physicist somewhere saw Back to the Future and was inspired by the theories in that movie just by coincidence, not even thinking about it, you know? Sure. Sure. I mean, you had, you know, the Jules Verne books back before anybody had thought about stuff like that. You had you know, with Da Vinci thinking about, uh, he would, he thought about parachutes before you could get high enough to use them. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that happens a lot more than we think. Because there are certain themes that so. are certain themes that are consistent in literature and you think that maybe you think that this movie stole from this movie but actually the the first movie stole from a story like you know 50 years before that know what i mean yeah Yeah. so i do the simpsons did it (laughs) (laughs) all right uh that's going to do it for uh time travel before we continue want to get let you guys know that there are numerous ways of getting hold of us here at uh, the Time Traveling Robots in Space and Galactic Netcasts, you can email Galactic. And we're very approachable. Yeah, just no. saying, we're very approachable guys. Yeah, yeah. So think of us as. Sorry, go ahead. No, go, No, that's okay. Think of us as just a couple of guys walking down the street. All right, and you're walking towards us, and you you can go, Hey, Paul. Hey, Dave. 
how you guys doing? And we'll strike up a conversation with you. In a way, that's kind of like what you're doing with email, okay? Just email galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. You can call us, too. We won't pick up, but you can leave a voicemail. The number is 805-328-3966, or leave a comment on the blog, the episode page for this episode, at galacticnetcasts.com. All right, robots. And uh, this is kind of a follow-up story to something that we covered on an earlier show. The crew of the International Space Station on Tuesday switched on the humanoid robot, Robonaut. Actually, that's Robonaut 2. Robonaut 2, or R2 for short. Uh, So far, they've managed to get his arms to move. The -the state-of-the-art, dexterous, anthrom... Oh, God. You'd think I taught for a living or something. (laughs) The, okay. Is that true? Do you talk for a living? I used to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to talk for a living again. Hopefully someday. The state-of-the-art, highly dexterous, anthropomorphic robot. Thank God. Was designed by General Motors and NASA to help ISS astronauts perform simple, repetitive, or dangerous tasks in space, such as changing air filters in the station. It was ferried aboard the station almost a year ago on February 24th, 2011. But for all those who fear that R2 heralds the coming of the robot apocalypse, don't fear. The robot only consists of a head, torso, and two arms, and is currently affixed to the side of the space station, although future versions may allow for greater mobility. Robonaut 2 has just... Or just uh, he, he actually has a Twitter account, so he tweeted about his peaceful intentions in response to a follower's prediction that the robot would attack, would attack the, the crew of the ISS. As novelist Sean Farrell tweeted, this live feed of the activation of Astro Robonaut is going to be nuts when it grabs the astronaut and rips his arm off. Robonaut 2 responded, I wouldn't do that. I'm a friendly robot. And uh, I mentioned that uh, watching the stream, you can watch it all happen, it all unfold via Ustream. At least you were, be able, you were able to. I don't know if you can anymore, but they do have, uh, NASA has a Ustream channel that they were showing the, 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 um, the turning on of Robonaut 2. Mm. And, okay. And an, Inertia in the chat room put. Uh, uh, Robonaut 2's Twitter handle. So if you're watching the video of this, just click on that, and you, too, can begin following Robonaut 2, a robot that it tweets. Called, it is called a Strobonaut. A Strobonaut? What? That's what it says. No, it says... It says a Strobonaut. Astro Robonaut. Astro... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Astrobonaut. Yeah, you yeah. were... You were, That's mi- right. you were missing the what R-O. What did I say? You were missing the R-O. Oh, <laughs> Astro. <laughs> that gets real confusing. Yeah. Astro-Robonaut. Astro-Robonaut. I like Astro-Robonaut better. Yeah, Astro-Robonaut's cool. They should go with that. Robonaut. <laughs> Call me. We'll do, we'll do business. <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, my royalties are very modest. <laughs> All right. So uh, we kind of switched things around this week. I'm talking about a real-life story, and you're going to talk about something in the uh, fantasy realm. I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm sort of catering, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. (laughs) Uh, Transformers movies. They've been a big... I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, But they've been big. Big is a good way to describe them. Big budgets, big explosions, big robots. That's, That's pretty much what Transformers are. And Michael Bay has gotten reputation around these Transformers movies, just being the movies generally not being very good. But that's pretty much the visuals are amazing, but the stories themselves are not very good. So, yeah, um, there's been a lot of rumor and speculation of whether he's going to be returning for the fourth one. And I don't know if you know the fellow, but his name is uh, I think it's Lorenzo Bonaventure. He's done a few other action Type films like he did. I believe he directed the uh, GI Joe film. 
if I no, that's not right. He was a producer on the G.I. Joe film. And he was also a producer on a Transformers movie. And he had started this rumor basically that Michael Bay had not been uh, confirmed for the fourth, the fourth Transformers movie. So, yeah, it, which is unusual for him to kind of spill the beans in that way. Like, there were, he wasn't speculating just about Michael Bay, he was speculating about the whole cast, like, just kind of taking it in a different direction entirely. So, that in and of itself was kind of strange. But, it was amusing because the next, I think it was the next day. It was some. It was either the next day or later on that same day. But Michael had come out with a statement saying, "No, I let me set the record straight. I am actually doing uh, Transformers movies." <laughs> so there you go. And yeah, we were so close to getting a real good Transformers movie, or at least possibly. Well, it's not a lost and, cause. It's and not unfortunately. A, it's not a lost cause yet, Paul, because. This next movie is going to be kind of a reboot with pretty much nobody from the cast that the first three of the first three movies. And so ah. they, they could turn this thing around. Personally, I hate the Transformer movies. <laughs> that it's especially, especially, especially Shia LaBeouf. Uh, he bothers me a lot. <laughs> so just getting rid of him because it sounds like he's not going to be in this next this next movie so just getting rid of him yeah. is an improvement over what they've done so far what 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 are your hopes for transformers 4 oh geez i we've already those are already out the door dave i was hoping that michael bay wouldn't direct transformers 4 and that's not going to happen so there uh no i just it's hard to say because on the one hand Transformers has always been kind of silly. It's, you know, a children's cartoon. So I, it, you know, I'm not expecting it to be too, like, I'm, I'm not expecting to take, like, a new gritty, you know, direction, like some sort of, like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I, I don't want it to be too real on the one hand. Mm -hmm. But we're also talking about stories that don't really flow very well. And we're talking about just really kind of obvious catering to, you know, sexuality and obvious like just sort of not a lot of it's a lot of the dialogue is nonsense yep. a lot of the concepts are nonsense yep um there's a quasi religious feel to some of the stuff which doesn't make any sense in the <laughs> transformers universe yep but yeah i i would just hope that they i yeah, i want a story that makes sense is that so much to ask no no not at all and i was really <laughs> hoping that that would be it Transformers 3 would be it because I think they've done enough. I think this is a yeah. franchise that could be rested for a while, if not just gone away forever. Um, there's, <laughs> well, well, there's plenty of things that you can make movies about that would be better than Transformers. Do a freaking Voltron movie. I, Do Voltron. I, there's potential here. I understand. There is potential for greatness. I understand the concept behind Transformers. I get it. But, yeah, it's just... I, I don't think it'll happen with the same crew behind the helm. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, yeah. I think Transformers 4 is going to be exactly the same as the first three were. Yeah. That's really all there is to it. I, I don't... They have no... And what's more, they don't have any motive to change it. Why would they? They're all blockbusters. Yeah. So why would... They have zero, like... They have zero motivation, at least from the studio side, to change it. And from what I understand, Michael Bay thinks he's doing an amazing job. So yeah. there well, you go. Well, wouldn't you, since these movies are pretty much just manufacturing money? I mean, that would make you think that you're I, doing a good job, right? I guess. I guess. I just... <laughs> there. I don't think that making a good movie, I, I, and I mean that in a sort of artistic sense, I don't think that making a good movie and making a lot of money are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, on the one hand, you yes, you have this thing that produces a lot. I get that, but that does not that does not make it a good movie. That in and of itself does not make a good movie. Okay. It makes it a popular movie. Yeah, you're you're right. We could talk about this all mm. night. <laughs> <laughs> we're both we're both. I we're both very passionate about this subject, it seems. Yeah. I haven't seen the third one. I don't want to. No. I was too wounded by the second. Yeah, I haven't either. And, yeah, it's okay. I, <laughs> I can live my life 
be happy without seeing any more Transformers movies. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, before we move on to talk about space, want to let you know that we have a lot going on at galacticnetcasts.com. Not only are all of our episodes of the Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast there, but we've got the latest science fiction news. We've got some cool trailers of movies coming up, some some awesome pictures and art that floats around the internet. We grab that and slap it up on the site, galacticnetcasts.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast or our other shows, the Alien Invasion podcast and the uh, Sci-Fi Film School podcast by clicking on the, the, the proper iTunes logo that corresponds with the right shows. Or you can fill out the email form. That way you'll get an alert with a link sent to you in your email inbox. Click on that and listen to the shows that way. Also, along the top of the main page are links to our Google+, Facebook, and Twitter accounts. That way you can keep up with what we have going on, including when we're going live on Spreecast.com. All right, galacticnetcasts.com is the place. Space. All right, from the Hollywood Reporter, ITV Studios America and HD Films have announced plans for a reimagining of the 1970s TV show Space 1999. Have you seen it, Paul? I have not. I'm sorry. You look wounded. I, I, <laughs> I am, wasn't trying to upset you. I am very upset, and I'm not going to talk to you I'm anymore sorry. because you haven't seen <laughs> Space 1999. It's, it's like a That's crime. For a fun it's like a dagger through my you're, heart. You've, you've w- well, wounded Dave, me. <laughs> I'm sorry. You realize that's cutting off yet a further medium in which we can communicate. So, uh, yeah, uh, All right. I guess that's, that's it. Peace out. Oh, no. Um, it's, it's okay. It's okay. We'll continue. <laughs> we'll continue. The new series. Well, I feel bad. No, well, no. Uh, hold on. Just one sec. One second. I, you know, you've given. I gave you an assignment. It sounds like you have completed that assignment. Yes, I have. Well, not completely, okay. because because you told me to watch all three of the Matrix movies. I've only watched one, but the 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 assignment okay. will continue as each week goes on. But continue with what you were saying. All right, it, I I'm I'm happy that you've done this. I am I appreciate it. I'm glad that you value my opinion. So if you feel the need to, you know, give me a similar assignment in the future, I understand. And I will do my best to complete said assignment. Okay. Go onto YouTube okay. right now. Type in <laughs> Space 1999. Find the pilot episode, episode one, and watch that. And then get back to me. Okay. You don't have to go on, the, uh, you don't have to go on YouTube now. But remember to do that later on. I could. Uh, Click watch it later or whatever, um, and uh, yeah, watch it. So you can relate to what right. I'm talking about here. Uh, the new series All will right. be called Space 2099. The project is in the development phase and has yet to be shopped to networks. While we are indeed reimagining the franchise and bringing something new and relevant, relevant to today's audiences, said HD Films president Jace Hall, who recently revived V for ABC... That didn't do very good. I feel strongly that some of the overall tones set by the original Space 1999 television show represent an exciting platform to explore possibilities. Added ITV Studios International's managing director, Paul something. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. (laughs) After more than 35 years, we are thrilled to be developing a new version of this much-beloved franchise for audiences worldwide. And one of the things that they're changing, since you haven't watched the show, I will kind of sum it up for you. Moonbase Alpha is a a base on the moon, thus the name. And something happens. They're mining some kind of ore underneath the surface of the moon, causes this big explosion, makes the moon drop out of Earth's orbit and goes flying into space. Basically, the moon becomes a spaceship. And they're during the entire show, they're trying to get back to Earth. Okay. It sounds pretty crazy, doesn't it? That you, My mind is blown. Uh, wait. 
So say that again. I'm maybe I'm not following something here. What's what? Say that again. Okay, the show. They're on. They're yeah. on this base. They're they're on the moon. They're on a, in a moon base on right. the moon. Okay, and they're mining. <laughs> they're they're mining some kind of ore underneath the surface. A explosion right. happens. An explosion happens and knocks the moon out of Earth's orbit and makes it fly into space like a spaceship. It's traveling through space. And they're trying to get home during the whole series. Oh, all right. Okay. So basically Voyager on the moon. Yeah. But they're not gonna all do right. they're not gonna do it that way with this new series. It sounds like they're gonna do some kind of wormhole. Because that Oh, okay. That's that's more that's more probable than the moon being knocked out of <laughs> Earth's orbit from an explosion. That not really uh, realistic. I don't know. <laughs> I both sound kind of equally implausible, but I, I guess. Well, I mean, I guess that's fine. We don't know. We don't know about wormholes. They can happen in space. They can happen right. You know. You know, they can happen anywhere. So, I think that's, that's true. What are the chances of the moon being knocked out of its orbit by an explosion on the surface? I mean that I it'd have to be a pretty big explosion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then them all surviving and continuing on through space, the moon traveling through space. It's worked up enough momentum that it's traveling through space like a like a spaceship. What are the chances of that happening? All right. All right. <laughs> you know, I know some people that can probably do the math on both and try to figure out what exactly is more probable. <laughs> all right. So that's your second assignment, Paul. <laughs> I will do that. I will talk to all of my physicist friends okay. and discover which is more probable. I actually would love to know that if they if there's evidence as to the possibility for each thing happening. What are, what are the chances of each thing happening, you know, comparing comparing the two, comparing and contrasting the two. All right. All right. Fair enough. So, again, Space 2099 in development hasn't been shopped around yet to network, so we still don't know when it'll be on. ITV Studios America. That is, what else have they done? Well, they, they, did, sound, they sound really familiar. Yeah, I've they, been, I, they did V. Sorry, go ahead. For, they, did, they did V for I know ABC. They, right. But I think they did something else that I've been watching recently. That's the only reason why I'm bringing it up. I'm like, I know I've seen some of their other stuff. Well, isn't what they've done? Isn't ITV? Isn't that a British company? It sounds British. See, that's the thing. I th- that's what I thought too. Yeah. But if this is their America-based company, then who's to say? I don't know. All right, let's continue anyway, on. I digress. <laughs> what do you got for us? In the vein of realistic stuff, we're back to where we started. Um, the Swiss are developing a how how to put this a Roomba in space, and it, <laughs> I can see by the expression on his face, like what screen Earth are you talking about? Uh, yeah, so no, essentially they're creating a a device. I mean, you could call it a robot, but they're creating a device that is actually uh, cleaning up space debris. about this on a couple other shows about how much space debris there is. So, I mean, we're talking, just just so you all know, they're about, at least according to NASA, there's about 500,000 pieces of space junk floating wow. in Earth's orbit. And this has been known to cause damage to satellites like that we have, that working satellites that we have. There's, I mean, we have... It's not that frequent where it happens, but when it does happen, like we have at least two incidences of space junk colliding with other pieces of working pieces of technology, and it's caused kind of it's caused a lot of issues. Like there was a French satellite that uh, was damaged by a rocket fragment in '96, uh, and then in 2009, a satellite owned by the a U.S.-based company was destroyed in collision with a derelict Russian satellite. So, yeah. But anyway, this thing is uh, being developed, again, by the Swiss to actually clean up all of the space debris. Basically, what it's doing is it's grabbing these 
debris and hucking them towards the Earth's atmosphere so that they burn up on the reentry. That's the idea of what it's. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like a snowplow. Oh, wait a second. You wouldn't yeah. know what a snowplow. You, you wouldn't know how a snowplow works living in California. I, I've. I've seen pictures. <laughs> You've seen pictures and video on the Weather Channel. <laughs> on occasion, it happens. It's been known to. I don't know. So, out. It's nice. What do you want? Okay, so review again exactly, or not exactly, but generally how this, how this mechanism works. Is it, like, is it literally like a snowplow that goes th- in orbit and just pushes things towards the Earth like this. You can't, if you're listening, Pretty you much. can't see my hands, but I'm pushing towards the right. Well, okay, I'll I'll walk through. I'll walk this. I'll walk through this with you. Yes, please. The the first step, at least according to the the first hurdle, is to do with its trajectory. So the satellite has to be able to adjust its path to match that of its target. So that's what the, it does first. Right? It's first trying to figure out how to intercept it. Okay. Next, it has to be able to grab hold and as the debris at high speeds. The science are studying. Uh, it, this is not developed. This is all in concept. We're yeah. talking about okay. probably three to five years before this thing actually goes up. Okay. And they're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out how to have. It's right now. It's talking about how to have like a grip on whatever it is that it's holding, like whatever it's trying to get. And then this third step is actually guide it in. Earth's atmosphere. So that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to catch up with it in whichever direction it's going, grab onto it, and then realign it. So, yeah. And again, only concept, but that's the idea. Is there going to be, like, one big honking thing of this, or is it going to be a whole bunch of small ones? I think it would be a bunch of small ones. Okay. It's hard to say. But I, I do know that this – they're calling it um, – shoot, what's the name of it? It's called Clean Space One is the name of this thing. <laughs> and it's uh, about uh, $11 million wow. in the States Holy in order crap. to develop one of these things. That's a lot of money. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a big vacuum in space. But, uh, That's pretty awesome. But, I mean, you got to think. This is pretty sophisticated if, it ha- it, if it, you have to be able to intercept things yeah. and – be able to plot where it goes and be able to travel fast enough in order to catch up with it and then yeah. do what it I yeah. Know. Hopefully this so the so in takeaway, the Swiss are cleaning up our space. <laughs> I mean leave it to the Swiss. That's what they do, man. Um <laughs> it does sound pretty cool and it sounds like fascinating science, but every time that I think about this story, that big vacuum on on uh, uh, spaceballs comes to mind that that big <laughs> the big ship that turned into the, the 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 woman with the vacuum that sucked up the air from the atmosphere of that planet. She, <laughs> thank you, inertia. She stole my line. Uh, yes. She's gone from suck to blow. Yes. And yes, it was Mega Maid. <laughs> yes. Uh, awesome. Okay. Well, good story, Paul. Thank you very much. Um, oh, thank you. To sure. go to go back to uh, what we were talking about earlier. ITV is a UK-based network, so thank you, Inertia, in the chat room. She is on the ball. I don't know what we'd do without you, to tell you the truth. We would be less informed and not as entertained. The chat room is our brains. And be generally lonely. Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right, before we continue on with our recommendations segment, I want to let you know that you can listen to all of the Galactic Netcast shows via the Stitcher Smart Radio app on your iPhone, your Android, BlackBerry, WebOS. They're on a few other platforms that aren't necessarily phones. In fact, uh, Stitcher has a a webpage that you can also listen to our shows on. So uh, what you do is go to stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts if you're not already signed up for it and enter the promo code galactic netcasts. And that could win you a $100 cash card. Again, that's stitcher.com slash galactic netcasts. Don't forget that S at the end and enter the promo code galactic netcasts for a chance to win that money. All right. Recommendations time. 
And since I am all out of breath, I'm going to let you go first, and then I'll, 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 I'll follow <laughs> you. All right. My recommendation this week is The Abyss, the old James Cameron movie. I Hopefully you've seen it. And not, uh, not, you know, nothing directly having to do with time travel robots or space. I guess it has robots. Yeah. There are pretty, some pretty cool robots in yeah. The Abyss. But yeah, the, this is the James Cameron movie of the 1989 era. And yeah, I remember watching this when I was young, real little on the television and thinking it was amazing. So, uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of a lot of really really cool things going on in the abyss. Basically, the whole story is is that you have these deep sea drillers on this little base, I don't know what you call it, but it's this base on the in in underwater. Mm-hmm. And I guess is the best way of saying it. And they encounter something, and don't really understand what what it is. And yeah, and then the story goes from there. But uh, highly, highly recommended. People are still. I it was just recently where I think it was South Park that parodied means there. Like this was like you know this was like last year, but even now people are still like referencing. No, the movie definitely stands the test of time. Who was who else was in it? Who was who was the cast? Who was the, what actor? Main... Ed <laughs> Harris is the main character. Ed Harris, that's the guy I was thinking of because in the in the abyss, he's got two different color eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah. That always kind of freaked me out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's right. And then you had uh, a sort of a, a mainstay of James Cameron movies is Michael Bean who played Reese in the Terminator movie. Okay. But uh, he is he plays a, uh, I believe it's, I think it's a Navy SEAL, but uh, he's a military-type guy. Um, and... I'm going to have to go back and watch that again. Do you know if it's on Netflix? That's a good question. I don't know if it's on Netflix. I do know, there's a, by the way, for those of you who don't know, and this is kind of a neat little piece of trivia the difference between the theatrical version and the special edition version is quite large. Um, the the running time for the theatrical version, the quote unquote short version, is 146 minutes. That's quite large for the, for you know for the, this kind of film. And the special edition for 171 minutes. Holy crap! So we're talking about yeah. So it's it's definitely worth seeing the entirety in its entirety. And like, yeah, 171 minutes. It's, <laughs> we're talking about over, you know, that's 30, a, it's about half yeah, hour, 30, 35 minutes. Of, yeah. Wow. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. So I looked on Netflix and it's not on instant streaming, but you can get it as a disc on Netflix. Don't know which version they're offering though. Let's That's a good see. question. I know that the Blu-ray version and the well, we'll have both on there. Okay, so definitely check the one, that out. The one that they're offering is the the longer one, 171 minutes. Awesome. So good for Netflix for uh, offering the uh, the director's cut version of the film. In, indeed. All I right. Agree. So you're so sir. You're yeah. Right. We'll, we'll... <laughs> We're talking over each other again. <laughs> If you if you notice it more this time around, it's because I can't see Paul. And you know, you get better indications when you can see each one another. So that's why we may be talking over each other a little bit more than usual. So I apologize. I guess that's true. No, it's all good. Okay. So your recommendation was The Abyss. My recommendation was my assignment given to Mr. Paul Swickard. Oh. A few weeks ago, and I was given the the task to watch the Matrix movies. I had seen the first Matrix, but I don't think I've seen the second or third one, which I will be continuing on with the series of films as each week progresses. So my first one was obviously The Matrix, 1999 film written, directed by Larry and Andy Wachowski, otherwise known as the Wachowski Brothers. The film stars Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Joe Pantoliano, and Hugo Weaving. The film depicts a future in which reality is, or reality as perceived by human beings, 
is actually a simulated reality created by scientists, or no, excuse me, sentient, sent, sentient machines to pacify and <laughs> subdue the human population while their bodies, heat, and electrical activity are used as an energy source. Upon hearing this, computer programmer Neo is drawn into a rebellion against the machines involving other people who have been freed from the dream world into reality. And this kind of reminds me, you know, how we always talk about the uh, singularity. This is kind of like the singularity gone bad because these guys are waking up from this false reality. And this is like, I want to say, hundreds, if not thousands of years after the human population were became subjected to the machines, right? Yeah. Yep, that's true. Okay. I just think that the the effects in this film are awesome. And that's... Yeah, it was... Go ahead. I like... The effects were amazing, I agree. And it, it was kind of funny the way they decided how they ended up doing some of the effects that they do because it, a lot of concepts that nation because basically what they'll have is they'll have hundreds of cameras uh, surrounding any given person okay and so what it, what they're doing is they're taking frames from each one of the cameras sequentially so it looks like the camera is panning as he's moving so that's the same kind of thing as what you would do with stills on animation is you it looks like it's going it's look like it's traveling there are little gaps in between but it's going so fast that nobody can tell wow i didn't know that that's that's how they did that uh that kind of filming or that kind of scene right interesting you can see it and they'll have like all these cameras on a rail uh, surrounding uh that scene when he's dodging yeah you're breaking up like really, really yeah. bad, Paul. <laughs> I just have to tell oh. you. Sorry. No. I'm here. I promise. Oh, don't worry. All right. So <laughs> The Matrix, I really liked the first one. I, rem- I remember it from, I think I watched it in the theater when it came out in 1999. I think I'd maybe watched it one, one other time since then, but it's been a long, long time. The second and third one, I'm not sure if I've seen them at all. So... I guess time will tell. Uh, next week, I'll, I'll watch. Uh, what's the next one? What's What's the next one in the series called? The next one is Matrix uh, Reloaded. Okay. And then it's. I think that's right. And then it's Matrix Revolutions or something like that. Revolution. That's right. Okay. Yeah, Reloaded and so, Revolution. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna plant in opinions i may have about either of the next so yeah just i watch them sequentially basically is the only advice i can give okay and i know that they're not as good as the first one i've heard that already from people so i'm going into it with my eyes wide open i i know what i'm getting into so don't worry don't worry about uh uh, putting your views of those movies onto me before i watch them because i i understand what i'm getting into (laughs) okay all right. All right. Um, I, yeah. Watch the second one. We'll talk about it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so those are our recommendations, The Abyss and The Matrix. So final bit of business before we get out of here, question of the week. And you wrote this one. This is the first time that you've come I up did. with the question of the week. I am a little bit scared and excited at the same time. <laughs> it is. And you know what? I, I truly I was thinking about it and I don't think we've done these questions. That was the biggest hurdle in my mind. I'm like, well, sure, you can come up with these questions, but I want to make sure that we haven't done them before. So but hey, it's coming from me. So that makes it new. That's what I say. OK, so go ahead and ask the question. I have not looked at it yet, so I don't have an answer as of yet. So why don't you ask oh. the question, answer it. That will give me plenty of time to come up with something myself. Okay, so this is live, folks. So Dave is going to have to come up with this on the fly. So there you go. And my question, which piece of futuristic technology from film or television would you like most to see? That is my question. Like, what, out of all the stuff out there, which, what, is, what would you most like to see? Okay. And 
for me, for me, I have to say, I, I want my hover cars from Back to the Future. All right. That is what I want. Okay. I was promised hover cars, and hover cars I shall have. <laughs> we have three years. We have three years, Dave, and we need. We are way behind the eight ball on this one. Yep. Like, ah. Uh, and we need you, to have hover cars. That is what I want. And when you say three years, you're going by the the year that was in Back to the Future Two, which they had hover cars and hover skateboards, right? That's exactly right. Okay. And I am willing, you know what? I am willing to negotiate this up till the day before. <laughs> I am willing to go October twentieth, twenty fifteen, figure out, okay, day to get this all in line. <laughs> Okay. And I, yeah. Okay. Do, do, do you yes. want do you want my theory on this whole thing? Do you want to hear my theory? I would love to hear your theory. Okay. Around uh, the mid twenty fourteen, some open source, some open source uh, computer software is going to allow for hover things, hover cars, hover skateboards. And Google will come okay. up with the open source software for this. But then Apple will come along <laughs> and make it better. Because all of Google's hoverboards, hover cars, were not staying hovery. They were they were <laughs> they were hovering half ass. There's a word What's that? Dave, there's a word for that. There's a word for that. It's called crashing. Crashing. Okay. So <laughs> literally crashing. Not just not just <laughs> computer crashing, but things actually crashing into the ground not staying in the air like they're supposed to but actually crashing into the ground so okay uh, yes <laughs> my, my scenario is that you know google will come up with the software make it open open source and then apple will come along and come up with come up with uh, a way for it to be stable and then uh they'll get in this big patent fight over it that's my th- <laughs> That's my prediction for the future. Seems to be the name of the game, isn't it? Yeah. Patent fights over patent fights over patent fights. Pretty no, much. I came up with this first. No, I came up with this first. Yes. When in reality, it was conceptualized in a Jules Verne novel in 1988. <laughs> yeah. As we or come, 1888. As we come full circle. All right. So <laughs> my answer is going to be the transporter beam. Okay. Because that, yeah, I kind of figured you go with Star Trek. Yeah, that's the ultimate way of trans uh, of getting from one place, getting from point A to point B, is not doing anything. Just going to your corner transporter beam station, getting on the platform, <laughs> getting on the pad, saying energize, and then you, second later or a few minutes later, you're on the other side of the planet or you're on a different planet if you're in space. So the technology, the futuristic te- technology that I want from film and television is the transporter beam, or I guess there's a more general name for it. What's it called? Um, Paul? What? 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 There's, You're talking, what are you talking about? There's a more general non-Star Trek name for teleporting. Isn't there? Or is teleporting, I, is that the word? I think teleporting... I think teleporting is about as generic as you can get. Okay. I'm going <laughs> I'm going with teleporting. Just a then. theory there. No, I think you're right. Okay. Teleporting is right. So I want a teleporter in the future. Well, in the not too distant future. Okay. That would be wonderful. I my worst fear about that is the screw ups. Mm-hmm. Like what <laughs> like your arm's gonna come out of your head or something. Yeah. Like just awful. I don't want to be a beta tester for the teleporter. For the first teleporter, I really don't. And I don't blame you, dude. I who who would who would? Thank you. It's like yeah, th- uh, Lou in the chat room. Yes, transporter is Star Trek. Uh, teleporter is the more general, generic name for the technology that we're talking about. And you know the the, the thing that scares me about teleporters is the fact for it to work, they have to. It has to tear all of your molecules apart. It has to basically kill you. Well, it makes a copy first, and then it kills the original copy, and then your new copy is over here someplace. I, okay, I've seen Prestige, and I I don't like how that turns out. 
You've seen you, what? You haven't seen that, have you? No, I haven't. You haven't seen no. that, have you? Uh-uh, no. Oh, uh-uh. I just totally ruined that for you. <laughs> uh, you've never seen Prestige, really? What is Prestige? The Prestige? It's an old, well, old, older uh, uh, Christopher Nolan movie. It's about magicians. Okay. Oh! You haven't seen Really? Oh, no, I haven't, but I know it's for mo- Nolan, man. I know what movie you're talking about, gone. but I haven't seen it. But oh. I will, I will, I will yep. get caught up with with that, and someday we'll talk about it. Actually, yeah, and it is a bit science fictiony, so you should probably get on that. Okay, cool. I was just thinking about something. <laughs> I was thinking about something. You know, a better technology, a better technology for them to develop before the teleporter would be some way. Back to our conversation about space twenty nine or uh, twenty ninety nine, is some kind of like black hole or some kind of wormhole machine, instead of a transporter, which basically breaks your entire body down, recreates it someplace else. Why don't they just figure out a way of folding space and time? I'm not sure which is more difficult to accomplish. Uh, <laughs> keeping somebody alive while you're no longer matter. Or holding space and time. Yeah. I, I don't know which is more difficult. Well, I guess we'll see in the future. It's all in the future, my friend. All right. All right. Good deal. <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for this episode of uh, the Time Traveling Robots in Space. Again, we mentioned this earlier in the show. Leave us feedback, good or bad. We don't care. We live on feedback because without your feedback, we're just a crappy show. With, with feedback, you will tell us areas that we can improve or areas that we're doing good already, and we'll just do more of that stuff. Um, so again, galactic, galactic I make ne- no promises about <laughs> I make no promises about that. I, I will stay mediocre. Okay, all right. Uh, somebody has to. <laughs> no. Galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. The voicemail number is 805 328. 3966, or you can comment on the blog, uh, the episode page at galacticnetcasts.com. All right, so that's episode 22 of the Time Traveling Robots in Space podcast. Hopefully, we'll have video for Paul next time, right? Hopefully. I'm waving at the camera, totally. Okay. All right, and we'll talk to you soon, (laughs) Paul. All right. This has been a presentation of Galactic Netcasts. To subscribe to this and our other podcasts, go to galacticnetcasts.com.